Hey everybody, this is Jason Rivera from ValueInvestingJourney.com and Press On Research today to talk to you about the next case study and start the next case study. Um, this one on Iconics Brand Group Inc. Uh, stock ticker ICON. Icon. I have, uh, if you're a subscriber, you know that I've been asking for case study candidates for a while and. I've been building those over the past uh, couple mo uh, month or so, um, so I'm planning on doing a bunch of case studies in the coming weeks and months. Um, this one, um, Iconics Brand Group, was suggested by Professor Andrew, so thank you, Professor, for this recommendation. Um, and bear in mind that you see the big jump today in its share price so my calculations on market cap and EV to EBIT EV to free cash flow and the inverse earnings yield earnings yields EBIT to EV and free cash flow to EV will be different than um, what I state on uh, my sheet that I have um, if you want access to this exclusive sheet, which um, with my preliminary analysis checklist, make sure to subscribe at valueinvestingjourney.com. Um, become a free subscriber, and you'll get access to all this um, this kind of exclusive content. All right, here we go. I've got the tabs open up here, like usual. Um, notice the market cap: three hundred sixty-five point four million. Um, when I did my preliminary analysis, the company's uh, market cap was 320.4 million. Please keep that in mind as we go through this. Um, no, no dividend yield. One thing I did notice here is it's uh, price to book 0 0.3, which is incredibly low. Um, this can mean that the company is undervalued the company is undervalued in relation to its assets there we go but it also could mean that the assets on the balance sheet are overvalued and that and that the company if um may have to write down some of this value in time but we'll get to that when we get to the financial reports uh, let's go to the key ratios tab that i have open um next thing we go to operating margins gigantic for this company anything over 10% is great on a consistent basis and this company icon had a high of 76.1% in 2007 and it's been consistently over 40% in the last decade um, next thing <clears throat> share count uh, share count has fallen from 75 million shares in 2010 to 52 million in the trailing 12-month period or a reduction of 31% in that time um, great news for um, shareholders if the company is undervalued if the company has been buying back shares when the company is undervalued which again we'll get to um, later in this case study but when you see when you see share reduction combined with book value per share rising that's generally a good sign um, that the company is doing what it should be doing by retiring these shares but again if the assets on the balance sheet are overvalued which we'll find out when we dig into the financials in the next part of this case study um, 
we'll be able to find out if those assets are overvalued and if they may have to be written down at some point. Um, book value per share has increased about in line with the reduction in share count. Actually, um, book value per share has increased from $14.30 per share in 2010 to $19.92 um, uh, $19 a share in the trailing 12-month period or an increase of 28.2%. Um, this is actually three percentage points less than what should have happened just from the reduction in share count. Um, so this could hint that the company's not been doing, um, not been um, either acquiring assets well enough if it's been acquiring assets or that it's not been growing internally, um, not been growing the internal value of the shares um, and the company as a whole in a healthy way. Um, because like I said, just from the reduction in shares, it should have risen in that same amount. Um, so that's something we need to look at when we dig into the financials. Now we go to ROIC, 5.5%, decent. Um, I look for anything above 10% on a consistent basis. And the five-year average Morningstar ROIC is 7.8%. Again, decent, um, not great. Uh, enough to keep looking, um, especially compared with some of its other margins that we'll talk about in a bit. Next is ROE. This is a better 10.7% in the trailing 12-month period, and its five-year average ROE is 11.7%. Great, it's above my minimum 10% threshold, but as I've talked about in previous case study videos, when ROE is higher than ROIC, it means the company has debt. And when ROIC or when ROE is double ROIC, that means the company has a significant amount of debt, which we'll get to shortly. Um, next, go to the cash flow tab, open up free cash flow to sales percentage, 45.4%. Um, that means that for every dollar in sales this company has, it produces 45.4 cents of free cash flow. Um, that's incredible. Anything over 5% is considered great. So 45.4% is, I think, one of the highest I've ever seen at companies I've ever looked at. Um, and it's been consistent over the years. Um, uh, Five-year average free cash flow to sales is 47.8%, so it's actually dropped a little bit in the trailing 12-month period, but like I said, a drop of uh, less than three percentage points um, to only 45.4% is incredible. Um, something we need to look at and find out why this company produces so much cash. Um, most companies do not produce this kind of cash, so we need to figure out why and if it's going to last. Um, which, according to this, it will, but we just need to figure out what's going on here. Um, I've never, like I said, I've never seen free cash flow to sales numbers this high on this regular basis. I don't think on any company I've ever evaluated over the years. So it's interesting to me. Um, uh, let's go to the cash or the efficiency ratios tab. Cash conversion cycle is not reported, so we'll need to figure out. Um, Go to the balance sheet here. 
and balance sheet tab open up look at receivables switch this to annual um, we're sorry this company is a brand management company it owns brands um, like Joe Boxer candies etc so inventory um, obviously it doesn't have to deal with a lot of inventory it just manages the brand it doesn't sell the products um, we'll get more to this more into this in the financials part but that's why receivables and inventory are not or that's why the company doesn't have any inventory and why it doesn't report its cash conversion cycle okay and I calculate its EV uh, again remember that my EV and calculations will be different from what's stated here because there's a big rise in the share price um, since I did my calculations. EV debit is 9.1, EV free cash flow is 9.05, and EBIT to EV earnings yield is 11%, and free cash flow to EV earnings yield is 11.1%. Um, the EV to EBIT and EV to free cash flow relative valuations aren't below my minimum threshold or my maximum threshold of about eight is what, what I like to see companies valued at um, when buying into them. And that gives us a great margin of safety uh, and I've had great success or good success with that over time, so I've stuck with it. The earnings yields are okay. Uh, anything I with interest rates being low right now, uh, anything over about 10% is great, but obviously the higher the better earnings yields um, is the expected rate of return you should expect owning the company within the next year if you buy it. So 11% return is okay, um, not great. And we will see why when we go to back to the key ratios tab and look at its financial health why I'm concerned about this company and why its EV is so high at 1656.4 compared to its market cap of 320.4 million. Its cash and short-term investments as of the latest quarter make up 4.5% of the balance sheet, but short-term debt and long-term debt, especially worrisome is long-term debt, 48.4% of the company's balance sheet and after subtracting cash net debt total short-term and long-term net debt equals 1.336 billion dollars or 4.17 times the current market cap as of when I calculate at 320.4 million dollars this is scary to me as a conservative value investor whose number one goal is to not lose money um, that's way, this company's debt threshold is way above what I normally consider um, as an investment. So we need to figure out why, A, why the company has so much debt, and B, since most of it is long term, can, it's, uh, keep, uh, can it keep uh, paying off that debt or will it have to restructure at some point? write down assets, sell assets to pay off debt, um, those kinds of things. Uh, so of note here is 
that the trailing 12-month balance sheet is made up 79.6% of intangible assets. Um, could be a significant hidden value here if the company has value, valuable patents. But since I know this company is a brand management company, most of these assets are likely to be trademarks, brand names, uh, etc. that um, can be valuable, but brand names, trademarks, and the like are most of the time the least um, valuable competitive advantages to have because unless you have a powerful brand name like Marlboro, um, in cigarettes, uh, Coke, so in soda, um, and uh, stuff like that, trademarks and brand names don't really hold their weight over time. Um, the last thing of note here is that the as of December 31st, 2014, the company had has uh, approximately. 187 million in state NOLs and approximately 136 million in local um, NOLs. This can add a significant amount of value to the company, but as I'll talk more in the valuation check section of this case study, these uh, the local NOLs especially will most likely be of no value. Because unless uh, when you earn NOLs, you have to use them in the area that they were earned when you had uh, the area you incurred losses at. Um, so unless the company can use $136 million, produces $136 million of profits at the local area where it's based, it will not be able to use those local NOLs at all. The state NOLs it could most likely use for state taxes. Um, in whatever state it uh, is based in and reports taxes to. Um, but again, we'll talk about that in the valuation uh, part of this case study, which at this point, I would already have enough information to know that I wouldn't consider investing in it because of the huge debt load. But the huge debt load combined with the huge free cash flow sales margin have int uh, are intriguing to me. So I want to keep going on the case study and hopefully we can all learn a lot from this, um, for lack of a better term, odd company um, in terms of margins and debt load. Uh, so until next time, if you want access to my exclusive preliminary analysis checklist, or, and want to get all future content and exclusive uh, exclusive content to your inboxes as I release them. Make sure to subscribe to ValueInvestingJourney.com. Thank you. Bye.